Behind every song is a voice, and every voice is a story. The journeys behind the voices brings life to the music that shapes each of us. Brought to you by Visible Music College and in partnership with the largest online Christian music site new release today, this is Behind the Tunes, and I am your host, Austin Black. Together, we will explore those journeys, the journeys behind the artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Behind the Tunes from the Visible Music College Studios with Terry Fader. Learn all about him at terryfader.com. Terry, thanks so much for being here today, man. Thank you for having me. I just love doing these uh, in-depth interviews. They're, they're way more fun than those three-minute things, you know, where yeah. we get to really talk about some things. And uh, it's it's always more fun to do this for me. Well, I've been looking forward to having you on. And so I was reading up on you, and you're a Dallas Texan by birth is that correct born and raised in the dallas area and you know we moved a lot so everybody's like oh what part of dallas i'm like yeah okay richardson garland garland arlington uh rockwall we lived in corsicana we moved to corsicana when i was 14 which is about 50 miles south of dallas and that's a smaller community and i lived there until i was about 30 and then i moved back to the uh, dallas area and lived right there in dallas and then moved to mesquite and then i moved over to trophy club right after I won America's Got Talent. So I'm telling you, I'm from all over the place in there. All over Dallas area. Now, so now, so I got some fun facts about Dallas. And let's okay. See, let's see if you're aware of these things. Are you are you aware of Josie Records? Nope. Josie Records. <laughs> it's the largest record store in the country. Largest record store in the country. Okay, Which, now I may not have not known the name, but I know I've been there. So you know, I, you, I probably just forgot the name, but I, I love record stores. You know, the, this new generation will never understand how incredible it is to go into a record store and hold a record. You know, I listen, don't get me wrong. I love having all the music on my phone. It's great. It's great. But man, just to feel that and to hear that that vinyl is, you know, it's it's something that is so it really does something to your spirit. And I love yeah. it. I just love record stores. I was in a, uh, I took my kids to a record store last week for the first time. And I said, you guys got to come here. You got to, you got to feel it in your hands. This is what we used to have to do. To oh find yeah. Oh yeah. We used to buy our Christian records. In fact, we were, I grew up very, not with no money. We were very poor. And, um, so what we would do is my dad had a carpet cleaning business and there was a place called his place that sold Christian. It was a Christian record store. Man, I wish I could remember where it was. It was somewhere off of I-35 in Dallas. And and it was so awesome. We would go in and clean the carpets and and we would trade. And the guy would give us like 16 records, Christian records. Uh -huh. And my dad would allow us to listen to Christian rock because we were teenagers. And so he would always let us, he'd say, okay, I get 12. And you and your brother and your sister get four. And so, man, we'd go in and we'd Larry Norman and um, Randy Stonehill and, you know, all of these regular you know, Petra. And so we would oh, go yeah. home with, with our, our with 
and we'd probably do that about every every three to four months. We'd go and clean the clean the carpet and get get a bunch of records. So I just it just makes my heart happy thinking about that. Yeah, good times. Those records man. home, putting them on cassette and listening to them when I was you know working. We worked my parents worked us to death, but but it was great <laughs> listening to those those Got records. The records. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Another fun fact on Dallas is that Seven Eleven was started in Dallas. Really? Okay. Yeah. Was that the, the home of the, the Slurpee? We got the Slurpee. Thanks, Dallas, for that. Elevator oh, music. Slurpees. Elevator music okay. was invented in Dallas. In Texas. Dallas? <laughs> See, that's so funny because I didn't, apparently, I don't know much about the history of Dallas. <laughs> well, listen, Terry, you, when you start Googling around, you find out all kinds of stuff <laughs> that, that nobody knows. And then, last but not least, and this one was very surprising to me uh, because just logically, I didn't process this but german chocolate cake was invented in dallas texas really that's interesting because my wife makes the best german chocolate cake on the planet she's a chef that's how i met her she actually catered a charity event i was doing and my sister and uh and her friend a mutual friend of ours mine and and my wife angie now my wife uh they they kind of plotted to put us together and it worked so we hired her and she's an amazing chef and she does make the best German chocolate cake you will ever try. So that's interesting. I will let her know that is a Dallas, see, that, that that's a da Dallas thing. So you two together, <laughs> see you, you brought the Texas that's and right. she brought the German chocolate. And so it was somebody's name. Right. It's not actually Germany. It's somebody's name, last name German. That's interesting. So that's no fascinating. Idea. See, I love that. You this, know, see, I grew up in the days before Google, so it never even occurred to me to Google Dallas. So. When I talked to my wife one time. I was like, what did people do before Google? Did we just have – we just not make stuff up, you know, as we're talking? You know, the number well, of times we, we read, we read encyclopedias <laughs> and we went to the library. I spent most of my young – my youth in the library. And, and uh, man, when I was on the road, I would go to a Barnes & Noble or, you know, the bookstores. I'd spend hours in there, and I would just go through the books. And so that's what we did before Google now. You know who needs it? We, you know, that's our right. Phone. You know, we do it. So <laughs> again, we're here with Terry Fader on behind the tunes from the Visible Music College Studios. Terry, we didn't want to talk about Dallas. We want to talk about your story a little bit here today. You're my first ventriloquist on the show. All right, so okay. I'll send you a plaque. We'll get a plaque to you in the mail for that. <laughs> what got you into that to begin with? Well, I, I was always an entertainer. So even as a child, when I was um, 10 years old, you know, and, and earlier, uh, I always, I always took part in the school talent show, loved it. Mm. You know, it was a singer and I was, I read poetry one time and I, I would, um, you know, I think at one time I was even playing a little piano. I don't play piano now. I, w I just didn't have the dedication to do it. I didn't have the love mm. for it. I wish I had, you know, I yep. wish I'd done it regardless. But um, I, so I had done magic, you know, I, I learned how to do uh, magic tricks and things like that. So I had done a magic show and I did balloon animals one year. Well, finally, I, I, I didn't know what else I was going to do. I was 10 years old. I was in the fifth grade and I'm thinking, what am I going to do for the talent show? And I just happened to stumble on a book on ventriloquism by Paul Winchell called Ventriloquism for Fun and Profit. Hmm. And he talked about the fact that you can actually make money doing this. And so I thought, well, geez, I can learn to do this. There's not another, another ventriloquist in the, in the school. So I'll be the only ventriloquist. Nobody will be competing against me in that. So I did it and fell in love with it. And then, of course, when I realized that I could actually make money playing with puppets, I, I was hooked. And I knew by that time I was going to do this for a living. Most kids, you know, oh, you want to be an astronaut? You want to be a fireman? You want to be a preacher? Whatever. 
and we've, we grow out of it. I never grew out of my love for ventriloquism. I determined that that's what I wanted to do. So, so. you're always, you said you're always an entertainer. Mm -hmm. You know, was that music, you know, you talked about playing piano a little bit, always singing was, was music and, and all that. Was that a part of your family growing up or is that just kind of something within you that you discovered? It, it was my father, um, had a very deep love for music and he really wasn't, he didn't have any kind of biases. He loved all sorts of music. He loved rock music. He loved um, classical music. And so, so one of my fondest memories, you know, my father was not a good man. He was, he was very abusive, but I have very, some very fond memories. And one of my favorite memories of my father was we had this huge console. And if you, if you grew up in my era, I'm 58. So I grew up in the, in the mid sixties and seventies. We had this huge console that had a little green light on the bottom of it, and there was a record player in it, and I and it had um, it had these big speakers, and we would lay at night uh, on pillows, and I would look at that green light, the lights would be turned off, and we'd be listening to records, and my dad would point out, you know, these are harmonies, and oh, listen, you can hear that how this, and he would basically point out different parts. He was he was a genius. Mm. Um, he was not a good man, but he was a right. genius. Uh, and, um, and I mean, and, and a musical genius at that had an absolutely stunning voice. And a lot of that runs in the Fader family. My uh, my aunt was a world class uh, classical pianist. My uncle was a world class classical guitar player. Um, so, I mean, we're talking like really great. Yeah. And so I, I believe that my my talent as a singer and to be able to do music like that uh, came from that side of the family. And um I don't know where the heck the uh, the ventriloquism came from, it's, but uh, but you know I'm able to do things that really nobody else in the world can do. I can do impressions of singers without moving my lips. I, don't ask me how, but even my own voice doctor can't figure it out. Well, that, you know, I, was, I break all the rules. I, it just makes no sense. Well, how did you? Yeah, how did you stumble into that of doing impress? Like it's one, like you said, it's one thing to be a ventriloquist. Yeah, it's another thing to be a ventriloquist that does impressions. How did I you just, wander into that? I always could. It was weird. I always could do impressions. I got to be honest. I didn't even know that I was an impressionist. I thought because it came so naturally for me here. We are, you know, we're going through the, the 1980s and, uh, you know, and if I'm hearing a journey song, I sing it just like journey. If I'm singing a song in church, you know, I'm doing things like by Amy Grant, David Meese, Michael, De uh, Michael W. Smith. I sing it just like them. I didn't know it was a talent. I thought everyone could do yeah. it. So one day, I had started a band and I and my my guitar player um, was a great guitar player. And we had this fan, fun, fun band, a lot of fun, you know, comedy. And I would do ventriloquism. I'd pull out a puppet every every 10 minutes and and have the puppet sing a song, you know, by Garth Brooks or Dwight Yoakam or something. Well, one day we're sitting in a bar. And and we're listening to this terrible band, man. I, it was, I think it was in Montana or something. And it was like and this guy was just awful singer. And I turned to my my guitar player and I said, you know, I really hate when they do this. Why? You know, it, I know he's trying to put his own special spin on this, but why doesn't he just sing it like uh, like Steven Tyler? And, and my, my guitar player looks at, looks at me funny and says, Terry, you're the only person in the world that I've ever known that can sing like anybody. And I said, really? I said, he's not doing that on purpose. He goes, no, we can't. He couldn't if he wanted to. And that's how I found out I was an impressionist. So I just, I didn't know it. I mean, if I heard an Aerosmith song, I sang it like Aerosmith. You know, I just thought you were supposed to do that. Came very naturally. And then, uh, and then one day I just said, 
hey, you know, why don't I have my puppets do that? And so I I actually had in the next show, I had one of my puppets sing Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. Like, blind it all in the roots, I showed up in boots. And the crowd went bananas. They're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. <laughs> and so so I'm thinking, hey, I'm onto something. And it was only a, it was a couple of years later that I went on America's Got Talent. And people people apparently were much more impressed by by that than I was. <laughs> You what are you guys? What's so impressive, guys? I've been doing this my whole life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I did read a quote from you I thought was really funny, and you said, "I'd see other people singing in the car, and they looked mm-hmm. goofy, so I'd do it." Oh yeah, moving my oh, lips. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, have you seen the movie Click by Adam Sandler, where you yes. got Terry Crews? Terry, Terry Crews is in the car, and he's singing. You know, everybody's working for the week. You know, that's kind of that. You got this kind of like, oh my gosh, we're making a fool out of himself. So I would just listen to the radio when I was driving, and I would be singing without moving <laughs> my lips, so nobody thought I was a goof. And uh, and, and then of course I would use it. I knew I wanted to be a ventriloquist. We were janitors growing up. So my parents had this janitorial business. We'd go into these buildings and empty ashtrays and clean clean toilets. And I hated it. Nothing. There's nothing wrong with being a janitor. I want to say that. But I am not. I I do not like physical labor. My brother, on the other hand, he wants to be a post hole digger. That guy would go out and spend hours in the sun working on a ranch. I hated that stuff. I didn't want anything physical. I wanted brain. I wanted to write. I wanted to write songs and I wanted to write routines. I wanted to write jokes. It was just my personality. So here I am, you know, cleaning toilets and I'm just hating it. And I'm thinking I'm going to be a ventriloquist. So I'm listening to the radio, singing without moving my lips to practice my ventriloquism while I'm cleaning the toilets, because I said, one day I want to be on stage and be a ventriloquist. So, you know, I just I didn't I mean, I did my job, but I just wanted to be an entertainer. That's I really did. I didn't you know. And again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a janitor, but it's just not it wasn't for me. So. (laughs) <laughs> Incredible. Again, we're here with Terry Fader, terryfader.com, here on Behind the Tunes from the Visible Music College Studios. Terry, you, you talked about music being something that was always a part of your life, even in difficult seasons of your life. Do you remember the first record you bought with your own money? Um, It would, well, my, my own money. Oh, oh, uh, whew, yeah. So I the first rock record i ever got was larry norman in another land okay but that was one where um you know we had gone in and we had um we had cleaned the carpet at his place i don't think his place is even there anymore and Mm -hmm. i brought it home and i i just and and the crazy thing is i actually became very good friends with larry norman later on in life which was kind of nutty to me but the very first record i think i bought with my own money was um um michael jackson's thriller now it was given to me as a present by a very good friend of mine because he knew I loved Michael Jackson and I loved that music. But my dad wouldn't um, allow non-Christian music, so he so he threw it away. So I saved my money and I bought myself my own copy and and I hid it from my yep. dad. And the funniest thing is, is it really became one of my best impressions. You know, I, I do an unbelievable impression of Michael Jackson and it was because of all those hours spent hiding from my dad and listening to Michael Jackson thriller. <laughs> and uh, so if you want, just go to my, go to uh, YouTube and type in uh, uh, Terry Fader, heal the world, or um, what was the other one? It was uh, earth song. 
And yeah. you'll see, and I also did Ben, uh, you know, Ben, the two of us, we look no more, <laughs> you know, and so I, I did that, but I do those without moving my lips. And I've got an actual Michael Jackson puppet that is just, it'll just knock your socks off. I, I actually created, had the puppet, it was created by Chance Wolf, an incredible puppet maker who actually creates uh, illusions. He's a, he's an artist and he creates illusions for magic, for magicians but he he made this Michael Jackson puppet, and I purposely had him make it in the Thriller Age because that was my that was my favorite. I just loved that album so much. So that was my very first record that I bought with my own money. I had to replace the one my good friend Mark Irwin um, bought for me for my birthday. I think I was how old was I? Was seventeen maybe when mm. he bought it for my birthday? And my dad at the time, even at seventeen, he's like, no, no non Christian no music in this house. So, so you know, did he ever find the record? No, he never okay. did. <laughs> Fair enough. What I did Fair was enough. I hit it, but I, I put it on cassette. So and then I labeled it something else. So he, <laughs> when he saw it, it was like, you know, Larry Norman and Randy Stonehill, but it was really Michael Jackson. So he didn't know. <laughs> All right. So with that in mind, mind right? <laughs> there you go. You gotta figure it out. You gotta figure it out sometimes. With that in mind, and 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 you're a little bit different than than many. So I'll expand the question for you. If you could open up for any entertainer. Any entertainer, dead or alive, who would it be? That's a good question, dead or alive. Wow. <clears throat> um, well, you know, it would have to be, uh, you know, I, I have to go back. I don't think I'd want to open for Michael Jackson. He was, boy, he would blow anybody off the stage no matter what. Um, I think I could hold my own, though, because if I could sing like him without moving my lips, you know, that's one of my big regrets. Just on a side note yeah. is um, that he passed away so early because I think he would have loved my show. He would have loved what I do. I, what I do is so. But um, I would you know, I'm thinking somebody like Andrea Bocelli. I mm. just love him or maybe Celine Dion, who no longer is. I would really love to. But even more than open for I would love to duet with them. So I think oh. it would be fun. And one of my goals, and this is something I'm actually working toward, you know, because we know Lady Gaga did a um, uh, did an album, a couple of albums with Tony Bennett. I can do Tony Bennett, and I would I would love to get a puppet of Tony Bennett and have Lady Gaga sing. And and you know, I I actually had this idea with David Bowie. I wanted to do the Little Drummer Boy, and mm. so I created this Bing Crosby puppet. And I had reached out to David Bowie and I to his team, and I said, listen. I'd like for David Bowie to sing the little drummer boy with Bing Crosby again. I've got this Bing Crosby puppet and I can sing like Bing Crosby without moving my lips. And they said, David loves the idea, but unfortunately he was sick and he passed away before we made it happen. Mm. So I created a David Bowie puppet so that I could do ba David Bowie and Bing Crosby. So really somebody like, you know, um, uh, Michael Buble or, or, um, or Andrea Bocelli or Celine Dion, th those are the ones that I would really love to open for. Uh, because I just have such great respect for them. And I love their, you know, I love music just touches me to the, to my very core. All right, let's start. We're going to start a, uh, a Terry with Lady Gaga campaign. <laughs> we'll send okay. some emails. We'll do the hashtag or hashtag still a thing. We're going to hashtag it up and uh, we'll get her attention. <laughs> we'll make it happen again. We're here with Terry Fader on behind the tunes from the visible music called studios. Check him out at Terry Fader dot com i want to ask this real quick based on something you you mentioned some of the, some of the the big names that you do uh impressions of did mm -hmm. they reach out to you periodically like like who is someone that's reached out to you you're like whoa i have yeah like etta james before she passed away um 
she was performing at the Orleans, which is, uh, which is in a different casino than the one I was at, which I, at the time I was at the Mirage. And, uh, and she sent a message to me telling me that she loved my impression of her. Uh, I think the coolest thing I got, so I do, people do are aware that I do impressions. Um, uh, Michael Jackson's family reached out and said that they loved my impression of Michael. Um, they, uh, but the coolest thing that ever happened was right after America's Got Talent, I got an email from Roy Orbison's widow. And the email, now, unfortunately, I've lost it because I used to have AOL mm. and I don't anymore. And, and it just got dis lost somewhere in the AOL, whatever, you know, verse, multiverse or whatever. But she said, I wanted to thank you for letting me hear my husband's voice again. And oh, I mean, my. what a compliment, you know, the my the winning song was Crying by Roy Orbison through my turtle, Winston. And so to have her say something like that. So so I know that people are aware that I do impressions of them. And uh, and, you know, I, I feel like that um, that I don't want them to think anyone. I don't want anybody to think that I want to be competition with any of them. They're amazing. I just want to I'd like to be able to compliment one another, you know, and do do it. Yeah. It would be fun. You know, like just imagine, you know, uh, uh, Andrea Bocelli being able to sing a song with Michael Jackson or David yeah. Bowie. You know, somebody who's no longer here or Elvis Presley, you know, I do a really good Elvis Presley. Yeah. So so this is kind of what I would love is for them to say, man, you know, somebody like you said, who who would you like to open for? You know, what if your dream is to sing is to do a duet with Michael Jackson? I can make that happen for them through mm. through the magic of ventriloquism and puppetry, you know, and the uh, and and impressions. So uh, that's that would be such a fun, fun, new addition to my career is to be able to give these dreams of these you know what an album wouldn't that be a cool album to have yeah. like these you know ed sheeran singing with uh with roy orbison um you know or whoever and and i do the i do the voice of the of the one through a puppet it would be i think that would be such a killer album and i do listen if 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 john denver can do an album with the muppet babies <laughs> i think we can do we can do this Oh, I loved this. that. That was such a so great good. show. John Denver and the Muppets doing the Chris. Oh, that was so good. It I loved was. It. it was. Well, Tim, let me ask you this a little bit. You, um, you have a strong faith. I do. Um, and you function in a mainstream world. Mm -hmm. What are some of the challenges that you? How do you navigate that? Well, you know, um, I, I'm not. I'm not a. Um, I don't like to look at myself as somebody who is a fundamentalist and is and is a is going to run around judging everybody and and making everybody my idea is just to bring the love of Jesus to everything and everyone and it's interesting because my father again I, you know there were he had he was he had some terrible demons that that he fought with that that made him that he he succumbed to and did some terrible terrible things in his life but he always wanted me to be a preacher and I just never felt that calling. I tried to, to please him. Yeah. And I was, and I was praying one time and I was just like, God, I just don't feel the, I just don't feel the calling to be a preacher. And it was like the Holy spirit said, Terry, your job is to bring my joy to people mm -hmm. just to bring laughter and levity and make them happy. And if he speaks to me and tells me to share his share his directly i will and and have in my show i've actually said it in my show if i feel the holy spirit telling me but my job is not to do that my job is to get is to till the hearts of some people get them into a into a, a happy and joyous position and then god says i'll 
plant the seed. I've got someone else that will plant the seed into that heart that you are going to till through my through humor and levity and through my, through your prayers. So basically, he said, you're an evangelist of joy right now. Mm. And then when I need you to, to blatantly tell him who you are and, and, and who you serve, I'll, I'll let you know that. But right now, we're just going to go in there for some of these hardened hearts. And through your laughter and comedy, we're going to till those hearts and get them prepared. And I'll make sure that somebody brings that message. That, I literally got that message from the Holy Spirit. And I said, great, you just let me know. And there have been times I've stopped a show one time because the Lord told me to uh, pray for somebody in the audience. And I said, you know, I know that we have somebody here with cancer. And we, I literally stopped the show. I walked off the stage. People from all over the audience came. We laid hands on this lady. And uh, she did not survive. But it was an amazing moment. Mm -hmm. and, and I know it meant a lot for her spiritually that we did that. So regardless, it's not about the healing. It's about, it's about the, the lift of your soul. That's right. So sometimes we'll get healed and sometimes we won't. But I always listen to the Lord when he tells me that. So, so I don't, um, you know, I, here I am in, in Las Vegas uh, where, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, it's such a dark place. It's not if, you, if you're fill, filled with the light. That's right. The darkness, the darkness can't bother you if you're, if you're uh, you know, the light, the darkness has to run when the light's around. So I just make sure I keep myself filled with the light. Man, we just complicate it so many times, don't we? It's so much yes, simpler. It's yes, so much simpler. That's beautiful. I love it. I couldn't agree more. Um, again, with Terry Fader, terryfader.com. Terry, what's your process for writing new material? Um, it's inspiration. You know, I uh, a lot of times it starts with a song where songs are an impression. So I'll I'll think, uh, you know, I don't have any songs that are like that. Or I hear a song on the radio or somebody will say, hey, listen, this song is huge. Like, for example, this next, um, what is it, Tuesday? So on Thursday, we're releasing... Uh, Fast Cars, um, uh, uh, Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. Yeah. And so what I did was I've got two puppets, one a, a female and a male, and the male is a, is a country, and the female does the impression of uh, Tracy Chapman, and the male does the impression of Luke Combs. So I did that because because that's popular, and a lot of people – you know, my, my production manager was like, who's the lady? And I said, Tracy Chapman, she's the one who wrote the song. That was a song, that was a hit song in the eighties when I was a kid, you know, when I was young. And so, uh, so I'm hoping to introduce a, a lot of younger people to who originally yeah. did the song. And then of course, right. Luke Combs, uh, made, you know, had a huge hit now. So, so that's really a lot of times how I'll create, but like this morning, I woke up at 4am, my poor wife, I said, and I was sitting there and I'm this all, I mean, these ideas are just coming in because we're writing a new show and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I said, okay, okay. And I told my wife, I said, honey, I am so sorry. I have to get up. I got to go write these ideas now because I don't want to go back to sleep and then they're gone tomorrow morning, which happens too often. So I've been up since 4 a.m. Uh, Pacific time writing, you know, just jotting down ideas. And then I have a team of writers and I'll, I, I come up with the, the initial ideas. I give them to the writers and then we get together and have these wonderful sessions where we flesh them out and write them into routines. Incredible. Love it. Uh, Terry, now you have a friend with you. You told me beforehand. I do. Our good friend Winston. And, and I'm going to let him maybe answer this question or take part in this question here. Because okay. Winston's been with you through a lot of things, a lot of uh, dates, yeah. a lot of things. Yes. So Winston, there are a few things like live entertainment. A lot of great things happen, but there's goofy stuff that happens along the way. Can you think of a most embarrassing onstage moment that comes to mind that, that, that's happened to Terry? 
Oh yeah, Terry. Terry occasionally will mix up the voices. I do. Yes, I occasionally <laughs> mix up the voices. I think one of the funniest. Can I tell this? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know what you're gonna say. Okay. One time, this was hilarious. One time, I I was on stage just doing the routine like I normally do. I have an hour and a half show in Vegas, and all of a sudden, I I the the next puppet was supposed to be Vicky the Cougar, the female puppet, right? And I, I I don't know what happened, but I was thinking about something else. The lights come on and I look and it's my, my black puppet, Julius. And I'm like, so I went, oops, sorry. And so I, I jumped. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It was very funny. So I grabbed him. I put him back and I got Vicky the Cougar out. And and I was laughing. The whole crowd was laughing. And I said, sorry, I, I picked up the wrong puppet. I don't know how I did it. Um, one time the um, they, I, we had a, a, my road manager who by the way is no longer my road manager for obvious reasons he left all of my puppets we went on a we had to take a private jet because uh, of some because of some stuff that was going on left all of my puppets in the van and did not load any of them so i got to a show and had no puppets so luckily for me one of the kids i had uh, one of the kids had brought a professional ventriloquist dummy and wanted me to autograph it and i said uh, I'll autograph it, but can you, will you let me use this puppet for the show? And the kid's like, yeah. So I actually did the entire hour and a half show with this one puppet and basically wrote an hour and a half of material, but I did a lot of songs and did it. So yeah, so it's been a, it's been crazy. Yeah, but it's easier to be a ventriloquist. He's right, because I can always uh, riff off the puppets. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I love puppets. Winston, was it was it scary being left behind like that when the when they left you in the van? Oh my goodness, yeah, because you know it's so weird. Is he if he's not there, I just do this. <laughs> right. That's right. And that's got a freaking rest of us out there, Winston. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I love it. And I got I love to end with a little rapid fire. So Terry, if you want okay. Winston to hang out with us doing that, you can. If he wants to chime okay. in, he's willing to do that. If, if no, I'll go, I'll his... go and you can come and see me at at, uh, at the show in Cinetopia. Yeah. At the uh Heindel. Performing Arts Center. Yeah. That's the Heimlich, it. not the Heimlich, uh, Heindel. Oh, yeah. He Heindel. Okay. Yeah. So you go up and I'm going to do the rapid fire. Okay. Love you. See you soon, Winston. <laughs> I love it. I love it again. <laughs> Wrapping up here with Terry Fader from the Visible Music College Studios on Behind the Tunes, TerryFader.com. All right. You got your game face on, Terry? Got the game face on. What's your favorite junk food? Uh, junk food oh my gosh um cereal like like sugar cereal like fruity pebbles and cap crunch if i eat one bowl of cereal i'm gonna eat seven me too me it's too I'll, whole, I'll sit down and eat a whole box i did it the other night i just thought what am i doing <laughs> what am i going what am i doing my yep. life can you name one of the seven dwarfs um happy isn't that funny i go to happy i think it's because i'm a happy person yeah all right what dish does your wife cook best? Oh, chicken pot pie. Yeah? No nice. doubt about it. I'm telling you, it, it, uh, when she made it for me the first time, it became my number one favorite food of all time. It, she makes the best freaking chicken pot pie in the world. In the world. It's incredible. All right, all right. Bring some to Zootopia. What color is your toothbrush? Uh, <laughs> it's Spider-Man. I have a Spider-Man toothbrush. <laughs> My All wife right. got it for me for Christmas. It's okay. a, a Spider-Man uh, electric toothbrush. So it's the Spider-Man colors. All right. This question may be related. In the If you could be any Marvel character, who would it be? Spider-Man. Okay. He's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. isn't he? I'm I love Spider-Man since I was a kid. In the movie about your life, the Terry Fader story, what actor would play you? Oh, um, uh, well, uh, 
what's his name? Uh, who played who played Quill? Uh, I think it would be really cool to have. Why can't I remember his freaking name? The guy uh, the, from now I can't even remember the name. Okay. Um, oh my gosh! You know I say this. It's of course I've been up since four a.m. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Played Quill. He played Quill in the Marvel in the Marvel I'm movies. He played uh, Star Lord. Oh yeah. Oh oh. Oh gosh. See, now are you are you blanking too? Isn't that yes. funny how how we Chris uh is it Chris? Yes. Yeah, Chris Chris uh Pratt. Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. We were going to get yeah. there. I had my Google machine up and everything. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. I, I for some reason it woo it's, I think it would be cool to have Chris Pratt because he's also a believer and and it would yeah. be really cool to have somebody. Now I'm not nearly as good looking as Chris Pratt, but I think he would do good and and I know that that our love for Christ would um it would we would gel for that. And he's a funny joyous guy too. Yes, he is. Yes, he Funny is. Guy too. What's your favorite board game? Um, board game. Oh man, it's um the one that it's it's a it's a train game that that my wife and I love to play. And uh, see again, I, I'm telling you, it's because I've been up since four a.m. But it's it's this fantastic train game where you you get these trains. It's much more fun with more people though, and you have to connect different cities with them. And I, but it's just gone right out of my head i can't remember the name of the of the, the game but my wait wife and i love playing it ticket to ride have you, have you, ticket to ride there you go see thank love, you thank you i love ticket i love to ride. that game yeah it's that's a great our favorite game, game. Yeah. everybody go buy it and, yes uh, and ticket oh, to ride sponsor sponsor terry sponsor terry <laughs> yes. you have a time machine for one day where and when do you go oh gosh absolutely to a day when i could spend some time with jesus mm. oh and, and you know, we almost get to with the chosen. I don't know if you love the chosen like I, I love do, but it. my goodness, I, I have fallen in love with the guy, with the character of Jesus, the yep. person of Jesus, through ha the way uh, he portrays him. It's just beautiful. I would love to spend one day and just talk with Jesus. I would love to. I would. I, I would think, love him so much. I think they do a beautiful job interpreting who I believe, based on Scripture, not my opinion. Yeah, who yeah. Jesus really is. I think so too. I think so too. And I, I think if you don't, if people don't get Jesus right, the whole thing falls apart. So true. And I'm telling you, if you're if you're such a hard nosed fundamentalist that you can't feel the Holy Spirit in that show, yeah. then yeah. you need to get on your knees because you don't, you can't feel the Holy Spirit. If you're sitting there, I, I know, I know Dallas personally. Dallas and I text regularly. And every time he gets attacked, I tell him, "Stay the course, my friend. Yeah. You're doing you're you're doing right. The Holy Spirit is over that project. So I just agree. Ignore these people. They don't know what the heck they're talking about. These right. are the ones that hold up these signs about God hating people, and that's you know just leave them alone. They're they're fine. They're they let them let them be in their little little cult. It's fine. But read you know, the Bible. People. That's right. Let's <laughs> love Jesus. Let's love <laughs> Jesus. That's it. So, what's your favorite cartoon growing up? Um, oh, Bugs Bunny, of course. I mean, oh, it's oh, a classic. It's still funny. It's still good. But you know, I will tell you my number one favorite cartoon of all time. It's um, it's one where this mouse is trying to torture this cat. It's a Warner Brothers, and the mouse is constantly playing pranks on the cat to try to drag to drive the cat away. Hilarious. Where like the cat, you know, will put the mouse will put earplugs on and then build all kinds of. It's just the best. So that's my favorite cartoon. But I love Warner Brothers and I love Bugs Bunny. Love it. Would 12-year-old Terry think you're cool today? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 12-year-old Terry would be blown away by <laughs> how cool I am because, and the reason is, I don't 
I don't care about being cool. Yeah. And I think that makes you cool. I couldn't care less. I don't care about celebrity. I don't care about money. I don't care. I love my wife. I love my family. And my job is to make my fans laugh and, and feel joy. And the rest of it, I just, I just don't care about it all. Love so it. I think that's cool. <laughs> Last but not least, something you hate that everyone else loves. Well, I don't say everyone else loves it, but I would have to say um, pornography. A lot of people mm. just think it's it's harmless and great, and uh, and as like most people, I you know I had my nighttime with it, but uh, it's just made me feel dirty. It just yeah. made me feel it, it, so. A lot of people think it's not, but I I just I just don't like it. I hate it. I don't just not like it. I hate it. Yeah. I think it's demeaning, and yeah. and it make it's dirty and makes me feel it makes my soul feel grimy. So I've thanked the Lord, you know, and I'm continuing to to pray that that I'm able to not ever go that direction yeah. again so anyway. that's a good one you know when i when i asked the question and you answer i had to think how did i ask that what was that question? what direction are you just going <laughs> oh man he's terrible. I mean, not everyone thinks loves it but too many people do too many people i do agree no i agree with you i agree that's a great <laughs> one that's a great one. Oh, good terry thanks so much for hanging out today um behind the tunes terryfader.com check him out January 27th, Senatobi, Mississippi at the Heindel Center. Should then get tickets through terryfader.com or directly. And let me say, the, my show is very clean, but it is PG-13. I do have a few little jokes peppered in there that the that for the adults, but each one of them have a clean explanation for the kids. So, and then it's just all in good fun. It's not, you know, I am a Christian, but... You know, if you're one who's just a, who wants a church show, that's not my show. I'm not a church <laughs> show. I am a fun show and a funny show. And uh, and you you just have to figure out the clean explanation for the kids. And, and then you, you can have a nice little adult giggle. But nothing is like over the top dirty and no like swearing or anything like that. So so I just want to warn people. So if you bring your kids, don't be shocked that I do have a little bit of PG-13 humor in there. <laughs> I love it. Come check him <laughs> out. Good place. Yeah, Thank please you. do. You'll love it. You've been listening to Behind the Tunes with Austin Black, produced by Grayson Rucker. A special thank you to our sponsor, Visible Music College, a music and worship school that trains and disciples students for the music industry and the church. You can learn more about them at visible.edu. And you can reach the show at behindthetunes at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Be sure to tune in next time as we go Behind the Tunes.